And here is the part two of The Secret Deciphered with Karen John, Eric Thomas, and Ben Ason. I hope you enjoy it. Through photos this morning and yeah. uh, page 48. Uh, I know exactly where that was shot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I noticed all the graffiti on the wall in the background. Where, where exactly oh, no, did you no, take no, that? I put, photo? No, I put that in with a crayon. No, kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of, <laughs> that was that was the big graffiti. I mean, graffiti seventies and late. I mean, there was graffiti on everything. Because uh, I'm wondering, I'm wondering, did Byron take that into account when he buried? I mean, obviously, you know, I don't the, puzzle, know. the puzzles start at twelve. 11 is the Holy Grail, the hardest one, yeah. which is New York, which is New York City. People think it's Brooklyn. I think it's Manhattan. Yeah. I'm sure Byron took an account where what park he was going to use to bury this in 81 or 82. See, as a Brooklyn, as a, even though I've lived in Manhattan uh, probably 70 percent of my life. OK, to me, I would I wish he had done it in Brooklyn just because. I still say, well, I'm very proud. They always say I'm, I'm from Brooklyn, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm actually not as proud to say I'm from Manhattan. I don't know why. It's just Brooklyn was a very special place then, Eric. It really was. Yeah. You watch any nostalgic movie, you know, like even Woody in Allen and some of his movies and stuff. And, yeah, you know, those characters really existed. Oh, yeah. It's been in so many movies and books. Yeah. You know, that yeah. the you know, either historical or just, you know, short st stories. Yeah. Like, you know, know, Neil Simon did, you know, Brighton Beach memoirs, and then he did uh, the sequel, which I can't think of right now. But, uh, you know, Brooklyn was just such an unbelievable place. I mean, I would ride my bike when I was eight years old on an avenue called Ocean Parkway all the way out to Coney Island. You wouldn't let your kid ride a bike. <laughs> two feet anymore that's how bad it is but you know and i'm not i'm not talking about random crime it's just a lot of crazy people out there yeah and also a, a lot of crazy bike riders and drivers that just you know they you almost feel like they want to knock you down mm -hmm. so oh, it's, it, it's it's absurd i saw you know for this halloween um I don't, I don't know if it's the federal law enforcement or his local they were talking about there was some tip about you know tainted halloween candy yeah so so they're saying check your candy which, which of Again. course you know i've always done every year I, I remember when i was a kid the guy um there was a guy on a street at the beach in the ocean forest neighborhood he stuck a needle in an apple oh i've heard those stories yeah. and we knew who he was because no one wanted apples so yeah. when my dad found it i said i know where he lives <sighs> my, and the guy didn't know my dad was a police officer <laughs> <laughs> but he but he stuck the pin in there with the little head and my dad says what is this and he i said oh i know who gave us the apples he's given <laughs> bananas and oranges and we were like you know what the hell is this we don't want <laughs> apples. they're not even candy apples yeah right right but right the guy right. the guy claims i i didn't know and you know it's like yeah you always have to check but that that's the big reason or the another thing i saw last night was the the cars are all meeting in a parking lot and the kids are walking car to car trick or treating. Oh boy. A trunk or treat. Yeah. It's like yeah. the the weirdos are out there, unfortunately, and parents yeah. are overprotective, but 
I think it's it's uh it's got to the point of ridiculous. I do I do personally want to go to one picture on one seventy three. I'd like to know where you took took this photo at with the Dixie Pixie. Oh. Yes, sir. That's uh, that's down in uh, that's down in Miami. Well, outside of Miami on Dixie Highway. I can't remember the avenue that we're on it, but it was pretty not that far out. It was um, I think it was before actually we got to University of Miami. Was that uh, the same time that the bugbear was was also photographed? What page is that on? The bugbear is on page one fifty three. I think so. I'm pretty sure. And, and probably the garden goal too was taken in Florida. I'm assuming. But I guess I have a, a question too. As I'm looking at the bugbear, it's got a very oh, you know, I'm, no, no. I'm not sure. You know what I think? I think it was taken out in Long Island. Mm. Uh, those pine needles. It almost looks like there's sand behind there. But I could be wrong. I, I just, you know, I remember Byron had a, a number of little sculptures that he had. So when I was with him, he said, all right, let's go shoot that. Let's go shoot that. But as far as, you know. Did you, you ever know, ask him? Were you like looking at this bug where you're like, what is this supposed to be? Is this like a half mosquito, <laughs> half like dragon? Like, what is this? Yeah, I would ask him. But, I, I you know, I don't remember, you know, a specifics. Yeah. Um, to me, one or of the the when one that Joellen the, the did a, of the unlicensed real estate broker, I just I love that because she she actually reworked it from Robert Morley, the actor, and mm -hmm. uh, and you know I I love the boogeyman. I think the boogeyman is is great. I mean, who do you think he's modeled after? The boogeyman. Mm -hmm. Well, you know. There are a couple of saxophone players that we would listen to. Um, you know, I didn't listen to a lot of jazz then. But I listened to more jazz. I didn't start listening to jazz seriously until about 25 years ago. Okay. So that's, but I kind of remember like. Do you, you say know, like Count Bassie or? Uh, Count Basie. Yeah, Count Basie. Basie. No, I, you know. Yeah, yeah. Most of them guys were based out of Chicago. Yeah, yeah I, you know a lot of them. Chicago was huge with the you know the trumpeters and the saxophone players sure. of, the, of that um, yeah. that jazz era were like exploded. So well, you know, so was New Orleans, but, but they were but they were traveling everywhere. Yeah, yeah. but Louis Armstrong oh, yeah. went in from, Savannah. I read uh, you know I read two of his biographies. The first place he really went to to really play jazz was not New Orleans; it was Chicago. Mm -hmm. In fact, the Louis mm -hmm. Armstrong is museum and just opened in New York, and it is fabulous. It's his, it's his old house. I can't wait to go. Yeah, from my from my research, I found out most of them guys, they were from different locations and they played all over the place. But basically, that was the center of them was Chicago. Chicago was huge, huge in the yeah. yeah, really, yeah. I have another question from Steve Norris. Um, and 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 the, I'm sorry, Karen. All right, go ahead, Eric. And if you look at the boogeyman. Uh, African ubiquitous. Huh. So, well, I think all, there's all over the place. Speaking of African, this is going to tie into Steve's question. So he says, do you believe when Byron was doing his editing and working with the book that 
he filtered it in such a way to include the Jewish diaspora and potentially the 12 tribes. So when I look at Joellen's notes, and if you go to basically her cask descriptions, like Byron gave her for each um, cask, under Africa, it says, image is of jungle butterflies, bodies black, slender, and beautiful. Here's our chance to make up for centuries of oppression. Uh That was what he wrote to Joe Ellen. So when, when I read that and maybe other people as well, including Steve, you kind of get the sense that he's also speaking about all the people of Africa. That includes not only Western Africa where there was slave trade, but also Northern Africa. Right. Right. Where Jewish people were, you know, expelled. Yeah. So right. it sounds I to me like like didn't want to keep no wanted everybody in the book and not to leave anybody out. And, even and the even the Kruger ran is mentioned, which is South yeah. Africa. Yeah, right. which which you know Kruger is it's an interesting story with Kruger, anyways, because he was you know essentially the leader, the president who was of Dutch origin right. and was fighting to continue the slave trade against the English when he was then exiled as they were fighting and the English came in and said, no, we're not, we're not doing the slave trade anymore. You're this is done. So, you know, then he went off to Switzerland, lived a couple of years, died, brought his body back. And then he was interred in South Africa. So some people look at him as a hero. Other people's look at him as a monster slave trader. So I could see both sides of what Byron was teaching us with mentioning the point of Krugerins, because if you really read the history and I actually have a couple of Krugerins and I'll show them to you in a different video, but um, because all all that history is in the book, every bit of that history is the book. I got the New York poem that says East Indies natives, like East Indy, West Indies, the Dutch West Indies, the East Indian trading company. Yeah. They, They weren't just trading salt. They were trading everything. Yeah. Right. One is of London. One is of Dutch. The Dutch connection to New York. Well, and the French. Yeah. You know, right? it, it's like, it, it's, I mean, that's, that's one of the, that's one of those play on words. Yeah. I and mean, it, 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 it says Indies, not Indian. You know, it's like, yeah. But well, if you don't, don't do the research, well, you won't find it. Byron says, you know, these people weren't, you know, they weren't foolish enough to call them Indians because even Byron knew in 1981-82 it was kind of derogatory to call them that because they were indigenous people if you speak to anyone even in like the Cayuga nation mm-hmm. he will say do not call me a tribe right. he said we are peoples right and i'm like yeah. understand that's a, absolutely a great point like and i think it goes to just Byron being so forward thinking and mentioning these things in this book, because it was of a time when, you know, we all didn't, we weren't really programmed properly or taught properly. You know, when he makes the references to Columbus and he says, you know, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the first person to come here because legends look down on legends. So you go back and you read about Leif Erikson. I mean, we didn't have a Leif Erikson day. I mean, they didn't start a Leif Erikson day 
um, in America until I think in Wisconsin back in like 19, what, 36 or something like that was when they started, you know, having a day for him, which is, I believe, October 6th or 9th or something like that. So you have kind of like these legends competing for each other and Byron's talking about that, right? right. Like pay attention to what the true history is, seek it out. Then you'll right. get closer. Yeah. And even if you go to the, uh, the origins of whereabouts in the back of the book, native Americans are listed. They are listed mm-hmm. and they're listed because they're part of the stories. Yeah. And, and too, whenever you look at, um, when Byron mentions the Catawba, the Catawba people, mm-hmm. the Catawbas assisted the revolutionaries uh, against the British in the Revolutionary War. And something that a lot of people, even in Revolutionary War history, which I mean, and I think Ben has said Byron loved Civil War history. Was he, did he like all the different facets of not only just the Civil War, but did he know much about the French and Indian War? Did he know, you know, the Revolutionary War, the Seven you Years know, War? I don't know which one he knew more about, but it's not here anymore. But uh, around the corner from where I've lived for over 30 years, there used to be a store. The guy only sold little miniatures of Civil War, you know, soldiers. Okay. Yeah. And I remember going in there a couple, you know, we used to go to a burger place called Jackson Hole up on 92nd Street. You know, we go there with the kids and, you know, the wives and, and have burgers. We always stop over and look in the window and the little miniatures. I mean, I couldn't believe how expensive those things were. Oh my God. Apparently all originals and, you know, uh, the, the guy finally went out of business. I guess he probably figured out he could not pay the rent and do it online or something, or maybe eBay, you know, who knows? But that story was there for a long time. So I'm not sure if the Civil War was the dominant war. I mean, Byron loved history. He just loved history. And, um, you know, we go to the Natural History Museum together. Um, He just loved exposing his kids to it. He taught me how to do that with my kids. And that's what he liked to do, you know. Um, That's what my father did with me as well. Yeah, yeah I always tell all the places I've you know I've worked abroad. And greatest place I've ever been is Smithsonian. Oh yeah, you know, I said, you get to, there's <laughs> stuff in there that will blow your mind. I know. Come, if you're if you love history, I know. I mean, I know. George George Patton's pistols are in there. It's like the the chair and the table that Grant and Lee sat at when they ended right. the Civil War. I yeah. mean, that's like you actually go in their butts were actually in these seats and someone thought enough to save this stuff. Yeah, there's there's so much stuff to look at. Unfortunately, when me and my wife went, they had the uh, it was the National Crossing Guards <laughs> day. So like 50,000 buses pulled up out front. All these kids got out. Yeah. And the place turned into like a crowded rock concert. And we had to just get out of there because you couldn't move. Right. I think that was back in 2003, but I was trying my hardest to get my dad to go up there with me before he died in 2008. We never, I told my dad, I said, you would absolutely love it. Seven museums, I think. And Oh, always expanding. 
it's getting bigger by the day. Yeah. yeah. Air and Space Museum. There, there's a there's a museum in there about uh, I'm sure Byron was probably there multiple times, but you got one for music, one for movies, yep. Yep. one that's war related. Um so I mean, if you said that 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 Byron, you know, loved these museums and things, um, you know, how how often would he go on trains and and go to dc or go to well in those days we usually if it was like the natural history museum we would just walk through central park i mean there were times like i remember going to the brooklyn museum with him once and and we took his car my car i can't remember uh because you know in those days parking was a lot easier now it's just i mean the city is trying to get rid of all the cars and I understand why in a way. <laughs> yeah. I don't, own a car. I don't own a car anymore, so I don't care. I rent cars. But, um, you know, so I I took the train with him a couple of times, the subway. Um, but he, he would drive to work. He had a parking lot right across the street. And, you know, he worked late. You know, his, his hours were crazy. He was always, always working. A million ideas inside his brain. Uh, that was Byron. Um, he was a day, day, like you told me on the phone. He was a daydreamer. He's a daydreamer, uh, just but, like me. Yeah, I'm. I'm somewhat of a daydreamer too, actually. Um, so I got another question from Dale uh, Shoemaker, who says, "Was Byron a Hendrix or a Credence Clearwater Revival fan?" <laughs> Good question. <laughs> oh my God! You know the. Um, there's a uh, recording studio. I don't. I think it still might be there on Eighth Street in the Village, called the Electric Lady. It's where like Hendrix recorded, Richie Havens recorded there and stuff. I don't know. I I could. I ne- can I tell you something? I never heard him listen to a Hendrix CD or or a track. He might have. He just never played in front of me. Or and I never heard him. You know, play a what was the other person you said? Um, yeah, Jimi Hendrix or CCR or anything like that. Nah, did his musical taste kind of just stay where they always were? I mean, no, he, he he liked folk and he liked rock and he liked some jazz too. So mm-hmm. no, he was he was pretty uh, diverse and his was he was he a member of the Philharmonic? Do you I know? Don't know? I don't know. I know he did not conduct for them. <laughs> Do you know who did? <laughs> In those days, some guy named Lenny or something. I can't think of his last name. Yeah. Yeah, Lenny something. Huh? Kind of a crazy. Uh, Friedman or Bernstein, maybe? Leonard Bernstein? Bernstein. Yeah. Bernstein. Bernstein. Yeah. Bernstein? Right. So yeah. Deborah Haig wants to know, did you ever take photos outside of the U.S.? Were you no. provided um, photos or anything outside of the U.S. to assist you in creating no. a photo? No, I've been out of the U.S. a lot. I've taken a lot of photographs outside the U.S., but nothing from the secret, and nothing from any from any book. Actually, I don't think no, no book. So when the book was released, and you were listed as an author as well in the Japanese version, um, if you can kind of like think back when the book was was published and let out into the world, November second, nineteen eighty two, which is coming up in just a few days, forty years. Um, do you recall Byron going on kind of press junkets and kind of 
maybe where he had mentioned he was traveling or if he was went to Canada or. I don't, I really don't. I, I the only time I knew he, there were two book fairs. There's one, the, the, there's one um, in Frankfurt, which is a yep. huge book fair. Uh, he, he would go there and sometimes I think Sandy went there a number of times too, but he went there all the time, all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other one is the, uh, the ABA convention, AB American booksellers association, mm-hmm. which is where I photographed uh, actually, uh, Christy Brinkley. And, uh, and one of the Kardashians. Uh, anyway, um, so he, you know, he went to that book fair all the time. In fact, he didn't come to my wedding because he had to go to a book convention. I think he actually met someone there who he met, ended up marrying. Yeah, I think. Ended up in the convention. Oh, right. I think bar, restaurant. So Byron didn't drink, really. He was not much of a drinker. Um, yeah, Byron was actually anti-drug right anti-drinking i have his uh well anti-drug for sure that's like the uh comic scene that he did here for the oh that's it that's yep that's part of jim's yeah jim's drinko yep you get that on ebay nice yeah it's really fascinating when you read it and it's actually kind of like the old school newspaper newspaper um which I probably need to unfold it, and I think I'm going to put it in a case. But what year was that from? So this is this was fifty cents. Uh, it was the May to June 1973 issue. Right, that's when he was in college. Yeah, sure. So right, uh, but this that actually that was about the time all the drugs started up too. Yeah, and and about the time that. Um, he, when they did that, they incorporated it in all the schools all along the eastern seaboard. So these kids were getting these pamphlets about learning how to um, not only read better, but also not get into drugs and gangs and things like that. And it was promoted all the way down to Atlanta. So there's, you know, this was actually in like um, booklet form for the schools. Okay for kids so interesting that um that and my i remember my father telling me a story he's you know when he he retired from police the police department in 96 but he talked about a lot of people think like the drug the drug stuff started in like the 80s and he said it actually started back in the 70s oh yeah he said yeah and he's he said when he when he first became a cop i believe in 65 he said all we had was a stick but in the 70s that's where weapons upgraded started the body armor came out when most of police officers were killed and he said that's when the street drugs really exploded and the gangs and everything else that came along with it so right and what town is that in what town uh Jacksonville Beach, Florida. But my dad was first a police officer in Macon, Georgia. Oh, no kidding. And, and um, yeah, he had, he had, um, my grandparents had split and he came here to stay if my grandfather graduated high school. But my dad fell in love with the place. So, right. Went Why back, not? Went it's back beautiful. to Macon. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it's a, it's a whole nother side of the universe besides Macon, Georgia. Yeah. But, yeah. He, he, he loved the beach and he wanted to come back here and he knew people. And he said, Hey, I'm a cop in Macon. If a job ever opens up there, let me know. 
And when and one then, did, he moved the whole family here and took that job and he stayed here his whole life. No so, speaking of beautiful places and stuff, I have another question okay. uh, because it may pertain to some of the photos that were done there in Florida. So Jay uh, Anderson says, is there reason is there a reason some photos are not in color does <laughs> color give something away like matching gem color or anything tell ben thank you for helping keep byron's spirit of the hunt alive okay um what really drove uh you know most pictures being in black and white is actually economics much more expensive in those days to photograph to reproduce in color you had to do what's what was called separations you had to shoot 35 millimeter slide film or two and a quarter slide film it was expensive um so basically most i really do not remember how many pictures i shot in both color and black and white i know what i have uh which is why i keep bringing up henny youngman because i'm pretty sure we shot it in color because we didn't have much. We had like 20 minutes with Henny Youngman. And all he did, Eric, was do one one-liner after another. <laughs> and then he said, Byron, where's my check? I'll never forget that. I think Byron paid him like $100. I think actually, Byron, what'd you pay him? 100 bucks. I think he had to pay him something. He was a member of the Friars Club, and Byron was a member of the Friars Club. So, you know, I don't know if he did it as a favor or what. But So um, let's talk about the Friars Club. And we know who started the Fire, Friars Club, right? Yes, we do. A long time ago. Let's see. Edwin Booth. Booth. But then he moved up. But then he started. No, no. Edwin Booth inside the Friars Club. Oh, I'm pretty sure. He started the Players Club. You Google it. Did, he, didn't he do? But he, did, he, he must have done the Players Club because that was his house. Let me look. Was Friars he, Club. Edwin Booth? Really? Wow. Pretty sure. History. Uh, yeah, because they do all the roasts. Because, he, you know, the, because of the Players Club next week is doing the birthday for Edwin Booth. I think That's I was, right. Yeah, yeah. My bad. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a, I, I was um, close. I knew it was a club. <laughs> And in those days, the Friars Club, when at first I was only comics and actors, then they let in entertainment people. So Byron was included as part of book publishing. And he loved the club. We went there for Halloween once one year. And my son, Ivan, was about nine years old. I have that photograph somewhere of him being levitated. And he was really levitated. It was like the guy put the ring through his body and everything. <laughs> it, was awesome. it was wild. It was wild. Um, so, um, so anyway, you know, I'm really, I already forgot what the question was. What was the question again? Oh, yeah. Okay. No, he, I mean, it was all about money. Mm -hmm. It was so expensive. So I was very disappointed. And I was also disappointed because the paper stock they used was so cheap that you don't see a lot of detail in the black and whites. In fact, when I first, when, you know, I did that podcast and they asked me to reproduce photographs, people were like blown away. Like we didn't even see that in the photographs because the ink would absorb the paper and it was, 
the different tones would smudge into each other. So you, you, sometimes you wouldn't even see a lapel in someone's jacket. Mm. So it was really poorly done. Now, the color on the back of the book is good, but they only use four photographs. Um, in fact, last week, someone mentioned me because I mentioned that uh, that the boogeyman should have been in the back of the book. And this person said, the boogeyman is in the back of the book. <laughs> and I'm saying, not on the original. It's not. Karen, you have a, you have a copy of that? or I have a copy of the original. This is what's on the back. That's that's the original. Yes, this is yeah. the original. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what's on yeah. the table. Every... See, my, on mine, it's much smaller. Okay. Now, is the this boogeyman part. on there? Um, Screaming Mimi, Prep Ghouls, Bridge of Daredevils, Teen Angel. Nope. No. Okay. So, I don't know what they're talking about. So, yeah, this is my... This yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They might have confused. I saw one on eBay last week. I didn't say my friend saw it. I went on. It $1,699. I remember posted the other day that one sold, a uh, damaged one sold on eBay for $440, I think. $440. Wow. I already well, rated all the old bookstores here in Jacksonville. They don't, they got the new one, don't have the old ones. Speaking uh, of, um, the books we have our the Japanese version here too and it's got some interesting illustrations in it um there is a there's actually an illustration here I wanted to ask Ben about mm -hmm. that if you have do you have your Japanese copy yeah. with you yeah I do I do I do uh that's always a good question to figure out why did Byron make a Japanese version because they because the Japanese wanted to buy it. <laughs> oh, they did. I get, why? Wh well, why else would he do it? I think there's a, that's twofold too because Byron was into comics and he was doing some things with the Black Sad and the. Uh, I have a copy of it over here. And boy, the photos in this book are even worse than the original Secret Book. So uh, I'm curious how many baseball references are in the Japanese book. So, like, when he was doing some of these comics, um, they were also branching out into manga and anime. And so, that's probably why what Ben's saying makes sense. Well, because I, I, think, I think a lot of the Asian world's very, there was a, you know, you can still go over there today, like in Japan, and there's, like, 50s-themed clubs and uh, punk rock still going on stuff that's fallen out of favor here that's still like wildly popular over there which i think is really cool yeah so there is a photo i've got to find it i should have marked it earlier of like basically it looks like two teenage like teeny bopper um there's a picture in here of let me find it Oh, this one. Here we go. Lost it. Hold on. It was right before Nosferatu, or maybe right after. Which is also his 100-year anniversary as well. Bella Lugosi here in just a few years. It'd be 100 ah, Bella Lugosi. Yep. So this one. But that's not in the original book. 
Now, who are these? Who are these actors? This is okay. Uh, that's, sorry, Marilyn. That's James, that's James Dean. Yeah, Marilyn Monroe. That's, that's Sammy Davis Jr. And Marilyn. That's so Sammy Davis down. So there. that's so that's James Dean. I thought that was James Dean. And yeah. and then that's Marilyn Monroe. Okay. Um, speaking Hold of it James up again, Karen. Dean, Yeah, who's below Sammy? What is uh, the fairy? Yeah, yeah. So uh, interesting. The 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 little fairy creatures that are in that American American pop culture. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I thought. Well, I need to ask Sa Sammy Davis. A lot of people ought to look. I watched a biography about him. Yeah, documentary. You, you you wouldn't even believe it. Oh, I, I only know him from like the eighties and stuff, but you go back to his early career. I love it. And Sam it's Davis. like, oh yeah, guy, he was awesome. Absolutely was awesome. Hilarious. He was a heck of an entertainer and so comedically talented and so many other talents. Who do you think these people are, Ben? Uh, wait, on the Japanese vert? Wait. Yep. On that page. Oh. On the uh, next page or it says page 302. There's these two women with, of course, the little uh, troll down there. Uh, hold it closer three. to the camera. Page 302. Um, well, some of the pages have page numbers because uh, oh. they're copied out of the original. And then there's some pages that don't have a number at the bottom. My book only goes up to page 240 something. I know. Well, was What's it's the girl actually, wearing? Is that like a cheerleading outfit or something? Well, it looks like kind of like a skirt. Well, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. I don't know. She doesn't look familiar to me. I know. I'm yeah. thinking like uh, Carrie Sorry. Fisher. Who? Um, Carrie Fisher, maybe, you know, Princess No, 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 no. Angela Cartwright. You know who Angela Cartwright was? No. She was in the original Make Room for Daddy, Danny Thomas show. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be some girl. That's gonna be someone from probably Carrie Fisher's mom, Debbie Reynolds' time. That's what I was wondering too. Like it's, she, it's not Debbie Reynolds though. That's okay. not. No, I, I don't recognize. I don't recognize. I mean, you see the hair. A lot, of, a lot of that stuff in the secret book gives you an idea of timelines and stuff like that. So. Well, and implications, right? Because it says here, these are the, this is nerves explosion. That's what it's listed as, which we don't have one of these in the, in the American version. So I presume it's something to do with the, you know, the dating scene and potentially um, the, not even like maybe the necromancer. Is might be something that could be correlated with that particular fairy. But, you know, even in the Japanese version, I just realized this, that the scandal chaser, that's the one taken at the 92nd Street newsstand, I believe, on the west side. Mm -hmm. That's called the Phantasmagoria. What's it called? Phant yeah, Phantasmagoria. Here it's called the scandal chaser. <laughs> right. Have you noticed that? So people people have asked me, did I position uh, the newspapers and magazines in a certain way? I moved them around. I remember Byron did tell me I want the most popular people that are in the Inquirer, People Magazine, Us Magazine, 
I don't think there were any of those TV shows yet, uh, like Entertainment Tonight, uh, which I think is still on. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Still um, is. So, you know, because people were into gossip, you know. So I moved stuff around. There was Cheryl Teagues. I had to get Cheryl Teagues in there. And, of course, Tom Selleck was as hot as can be in those days. Yeah, there it is. Right. Yeah. So, and I, I remember the newspaper guy just looking at us like, what the hell are you doing? Uh, <laughs> look at Tom Selleck 40 years later doing uh, Blue Bloods. All right. He's, He's still, still going. He's still going. Straight. Not as thin as he used to be. but <laughs> No, I, I haven't even know. Got to meet Tom Selleck a long time ago. Real nice guy. Him and his mother. Oh, yeah? You know him? Great. He seems his like mother- a his mother lived down in Ponte Vedra Beach, and uh, me and my girlfriend were in a uh, Blues of Publix. And she uh-huh. goes, that's Tom Selleck in the aisle we just passed. And I was like, no, it ain't. And we turned around went back, and he looked exactly like Magnum P.I. The week before, yeah, the week before, he'd been spotted on a boat off Jacksonville Beach. Someone took a picture of him, and it made the news. And he was with his mom, and he introduced us to his mother, and he was the nicest guy in the world. I went home and told my stepmother I'd met Tom Selleck, and she started screaming. <laughs> because she was such a fan. Okay, I got a question here. Um, under Elf S. Presley, so in the original <laughs> secret book on page 99, we have this uh, illustration here of the Elf S. Presley. So is this, would you say, a take on potentially maybe Lennon or I, I always think the Ramones when I look at that. But, but I, I think they're a Ooh, mix of everybody. Too, that's a good one too. I hadn't thought about that. Because you because you can't see his eyes. Yeah. And plus you got the I think it's an overall just like a morph of all the hippie Hippie, hippie music, all the players involved. It kind of looks almost like with the hair being the way that it's done, uh, similar to some of the Boston painting, honestly, too, with the, like the way the wharfs were in the hair and stuff. Like, yeah. Um, no, but the T-shirt he's wearing, it says party animal. Yeah. Isn't that a line in, Nash- in the, in the national um, in Animal House? Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah, that's why I think because you got the peace sign, which is obviously the '60s. There's a guitar, the rolled up sleeves, mm-hmm. the vest, which uh, I think John Lennon made that famous. The yeah. um, what do they call it? The jean vest that he had at one time with all the patches. I know we did an interview with Yoko in I think San Francisco that time. He was wearing it. But I think there's just a lot of people morphed in here. The earring. I don't know what that is on the far right of his hair. Is that beads? Yeah, it looks like beads. Um, I'm trying to read it all. Kind of like I don't say rock. martini olives or something too, but in a rock weird way. Li- the button says "Rock Lives," and the other one says, "I can't even read that." So Ben, how much do you think? Um, wait, wait one second now. Page ninety. So the illustration in ninety nine. Look at the illustration on the title on the inside title page with the guy sitting on the uh the stone there. 
It's a very similar hair, isn't it? This page here, Karen, you know, the title page? Uh, yes. It's, uh, it's like page three or four, maybe? Or yep. Same kind book, of, yeah. of mm-hmm. Same getup again, you know? Yeah. Hey, I've always looked at that character and tried to figure out who this is supposed to represent. I can't. It, look, it looks like. You know who it looks like with that hat? It looks like uh, from the Mamas and Papas. Oh. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Crosby still what? Crosby? Uh, Wait, who was in Mamas no, and Papas with no, that? No, no, it, uh, no. Um, oh, God. You know what I'm thinking about. Do a lot of editing here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Mama Cass, Michelle, Phil oh, John Phillips. John Phillips. John Phillips. That's so cool. Well, I think that's about all of our questions. Oh, that, that was in. also by JJP. I just realized that. Oh. Right at the very beginning of the book, it says JJP at the bottom. So he painted that as well. Hmm. And, but I do believe the fence and stuff. There's a lot of clues. There's clues to all 12 puzzles right here in this one picture. You see music, musical notes. You yep. see fences. Um, I see number. I see numbers. Yep. I see 56. Yeah. People have tried to. Someone had something spelled out of here. It says like at the very beginning, Ben, if you look, it, says, it looks like it says look in cursive. L-O-O. The K is kind of crazy. Yeah. Someone had something completely spelled out in there one time. But it, I, the only thing I can really, I really make out is the word look, L-O-O-K. So it's okay. telling you just to look at everything you're looking at right here. Okay. That's great. So it, I, I recognize some of that imagery. On this particular page, going to 69 really quickly before we end our call, but... The, the people that are in this page, would you say the tallest person over here is like maybe Martin Luther King? Uh, a little too much hair, I think, actually, for Martin Luther King. Well, no, no, no. Yeah, that could be Martin Luther King. It could be. It could be. Um, Under the Freudian sylphs. Yeah, yeah. Um, this whole story is about saying something you shouldn't say. This, this is a good positive story listed right here for today. Is watch what you say because some things that come out of your mouth hurt other people. That's and right. That's, that's the truth. Yeah, and Byron was all about community. That's for sure. I tell you. Yeah. Words like fat chance, cockeyed. You sell it. All stuff you could call people and hurt their feelings. And then right. the illustration on sixty nine, the guy said something and goes, "Oops." Mm -hmm. And they're kind of disappointed that he said it. And even the fairies, like, can't believe he said it. Right. Yeah. Good yeah. Definitely something yeah. to be said for that. This, this is a story that I went through a long time. I, what I found is it doesn't connect any puzzles. It's just, it's just telling you to be a good person. Well, I can appreciate that. I do think it does actually link to a couple of things the way I've kind of looked at it, uh, especially coming from a Viennese neurotic, which we know 
we know of a Viennese neurotic, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we, yeah we it, it, it may attack. It might. I, I take that well, back. It might attach say, to a. Let's just person, say the maybe. worst. The worst Viennese neurotic of all, which was Adolf Hitler. Right. That's so right. there are actually, these actually his parents who had him. Correct. <laughs> correct. Um, but so I think there are these interesting stories woven in here, especially when you look at. Lindbergh, who was favored and Henry Ford favored by Adolf Hitler, received the Distinguished German Cross right. um, from Adolf Hitler. And of course, them opening their mouths and trying to say, oh, let's not get involved in, you know, the wars over there and whatever else. So, I mean, that's a huge gaffe when you're trying to say something like that, when people are being exterminated. And so I think when Byron is, you know, talking about some of these things, he's hopeful that we fall into these trails of study and figure out why, why he put those things there and the way that they're there and learn from it. Right. Because then the more you learn, then put you closer to a key. And you can see a lot. It mentioned socializing or um a u.s uh where does it say u.s diplomat that the arabs and jews should sh- settle their differences in a christian manner you know just yeah. stuff stuff someone would say that offends someone else yeah because you, you don't you don't tell arab people you know and jewish people to settle things in a christian in a christian way yeah. they, they settle it in their own way and well, how dare you tell them that that's right. That's right. Because it's it's really it was a gaffe. And I actually have the name of that senator that said that. And I wrote it down. It's in my other book um, at the time. And I think it was from the night. It was either in the 50s or the 60s. Mm-hmm. But it's those kinds of things that I think Byron was really trying to teach um, an understanding of just res- respecting other people, even if you, you know, and their religious beliefs, even if you're not you know, in that religion, right. But that we can all respect each other and get along and live and cohabitate and be kind and share the world. And so this was a huge lesson for me when I picked up the book and and started reading about that. And particularly with Freud, because if we look back at Freud and we know uh, that he was, um, he was allowed to leave Germany. Right. Right. And uh, they burned a lot of his papers, a lot of his works. They allowed him to leave. And what some of his family were then exterminated from by Nazis. I mean, there's, there's all this meaning here that it's almost kind of like the Freudian slip, you know, can, or Sylph, can you, right. can you figure right. it out? Right. right? Yeah, yeah. So anyways, I know you guys are on a strict timeline and I know Ben, you have to get going, but Let's do this again. You want oh, to? Oh, it was great. I, I, great talking here with Eric. I got to tell you. Oh really. yeah. I love it. This was so much fun. Oh, there's, absolutely. There's stuff that keeps stuff keeps popping in my head, but I don't want to bring it up because I don't <laughs> even know how long we've been on here. <laughs> I know we've been on uh, a little over an hour. So and I. Know oh, okay. Yeah. I knew I knew it was over an hour, but I was like, it doesn't feel like it. But I well, want to ask you really quickly, Ben. Tell me about your secret sale. Oh, all right. Well, actually, <laughs> so on November 3rd, I'm having a Black Friday sale for three weeks, almost three weeks. It's going to be 35% everything. Now, I know all the secret is 
see a banner that comes across that the secret is never part of any sale. Well, I've decided this year the secret photos will be part of that 35% off sale on all, on all the sizes. And they'll be still signed by me, shipped by the, uh, I guess, the U.S. Post Office. And because um, actually I found out that the post office has actually been better than some of the other companies. I don't want to get into the whole name thing. Yeah. No, that's fine. They actually have been more reliable than the other companies have been lately. I've had some really bad dealings with the other companies. Oh, you have so, that. Uh, so that will start November 3rd. I think it believe, I think it ends on the 22nd or the 23rd, but there'll be a banner across. So not only my fine art prints, but my secret photographs will be 35% off. All sizes, all three sizes. That's okay? awesome. Okay. And you, and you know, tomorrow's Halloween, but everybody's already Christmas shopping. So. That's right. Uh, yeah. yeah we, got, <laughs> we got bags of candy to put outside. Individual bags. We're not doing, don't, we're not doing apples. Don't worry. Uh, no apples. I, I went no into apples. Walmart this morning and the candy aisle, they were taking out the Halloween stuff and putting in the Christmas stuff. Oh God. As, as I was standing there, <laughs> as I, I was like, Halloween's tomorrow. It's not even Halloween yet. Technically. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. they were already right. turning over, and uh, the holiday stuff is it's already time. going on. It is All time. Right. Well, let's so, do this again, guys. Yes, let's hang out. Let you, maybe if you're available next weekend or the weekend sure. after, we'll, Sounds we'll great, have man. some more questions. Yeah. And have a great rest of the weekend, and uh, take care. Hey, you guys, too. Let's do Bye -bye. it again. Bye, Eric. Bye, Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.